We are continuing in this season of Advent. And this is the fourth week where we've tried to bring forward uh, these concepts that I, I don't know. Normally we talk through and we hear, but, but Christmas is a funny season, you know. We have it every year and it becomes about lights and trees and, and presents or, or, or not, the lack of those things. And, and we talk about joy and peace and love and hope and, and they kind of can wash over us. So what we've done is we've taken each week and say, hey, hope is amazing. It's our assurance, you know, because Jesus Christ has come that there's a future for you and me and it's not uncertain peace, right, harmony with God because the baby came. The, the king of heaven came to earth. And last week we talked about joy and the, the wonder of joy because, because it's about this gift that exceeds any expectation you could ever have. And our, our heart going through this is to try and start just a little bit because it's so difficult and we're so surrounded by CGI and Hallmark movies or whatever else that can rob us of this wonder of what Christmas really is. And so we hit today, and it's not the least of them. It's the advent of joy. It was great last week. The advent of love. Here we are. Huge, this arrival of love. So huge, perhaps. I mean, I say that all the time. I told a good friend that, man, I love you, man tell my wife I love her. I, I, I tell my kids I love them. I love to be loved. So can we think about it though together for a few minutes here from the scriptures? Our whole lives are organized. Really? This coming of love. But if I think about it really for you and me and I start to think about it just for a minute, it's that you and I we kind of are always longing for love. Now think about it for you, affirm it in your own experience. I think, I think that we go through life kind of longing for people to really, to really care for us, you know. I'm, I'm looking for that. I, I, it's huge. It's, it kind of binds up all the kinds of love into this desire to have a relationship. Even, even just one where somebody really loves us. I, I join sports teams to, to have friends and friendships a kind of love. And I wish my siblings were closer to, to me. And that's another way. Man, I long for love. And I want my kids to respond. I wish, I wish our parents would understand us. We hang out in bars or, or, or things to kind of say, oh, I want relationship. I want, I want this thing called love. Like I said, I'm kind of combining all these flavors because it kind of encompasses life. Somebody who would know you intimately, be a true companion, a friend that's closer than a brother, a family that really supports each other. and I, I, You dream of that kind of stuff. Say, not me, I'm a rock. I'm an island. <laughs> Wake up, buddy. We do, we want people to actually care for us care about what you think, value your opinions, enjoy your company, be patient with your faults, be kind when you're impatient, gracious to your desires, respond well to what you want. We long for someone who will share our burdens and believe in us and hope for us, you know. Even when we fall, 
someone that won't let us down. Of course, all the statements I just kind of read to you are actually statements from the Bible, right? About what love is. That's the thing. I'll put it up. Here it is. 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love is patient and kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Endures all things. This is, uh, this is love. It's good. Always hoping, enduring, never ending. And so it's referred to, we use the Greek word for this kind of love called agape love. It's one of four Greek words of, to describe love. And, but this one's the, kind of the one. It's this self-sacrificial, unconditional, just love. Unconditional regard and care without any thought to our, our own needs. It, it, it is love worth finding, as some Bible teacher calls it. My question is, do we find it? Do you find it here? And that's kind of what we want to see. Because I'm constantly thinking, wow, this, this is, I like this and I want it. And, and, and I want it even when I don't say it overtly. I might say no, no, because I try to get my expectations low. But I really like it if people would love me. And, and, and so how do I find some judging all the time? How are people loving? Particularly, how are people loving me? How are people doing, you know? And I'm constantly judging. I, I have this desire for self-sacrificial love, even that I would do it. My desires kind of get in the way, though, of self-sacrifice for others because I want them to love me too. So I got this tension going on. I still see the wonder of it, though. I, I, I ran across this quote from St. Augustine. Let me read it to you. It's from his seventh homily on the first epistle of John. Once for all, then, a short precept is given you. Love and do what you will. Whether you hold your peace, through love hold your peace. Whether you cry out, through love cry out. Whether you correct, through love correct. Whether you spare, through love spare. Let the root of love be within, and this root can do nothing but what is good. Isn't that awesome? If you got love, you got it all, kind of. I was reading that on a Buddhist website. I was trolling. <laughs> I troll sometimes. Why? Why, why? why is that important? Because everybody says that. Everybody's like, man, you should really be true to this concept of self-sacrificial good for the other. It's, it's a need. Aim for it. So, but, so I'd affirm from the Bible, I, I do see that. I, I see it in the relationship first, right, of the father and the son. Like the Bible says stuff like the, how the love of the Father. God is love. And so this before the foundation of the world. You realize before any people ever existed, God in the Trinity, there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And he is love. And so there's this perfect love already going on where God the Father is loving God the Son. How can I say that? Because the Bible does. It says it in, I, I won't stick it up all, but it's John 17, the Father loved Jesus, it says, before the foundation of the world. So, 
this amazing self-sacrificial, because that's the word that's being used there, is like one-way love that goes towards the Son, the sacrificial, perfect one-way love going to the Father, and the Holy Spirit's in there too, and it's this amazing, amazing perfection of love. It says other things, like the Father loves His Son, has given all things into His hand. The Father loves His Son, and shows Him all He's doing. The Father loves His Son because He lays down His life to take it up again. The Father has loved me, so I have loved you, Jesus says. So when you look at me, you're seeing love. And so I resonate, I hope you do too, with this longing for this kind of love, the love of the Father for the Son, this sort of self-sacrificial love of God that, that I look for in you and I look for in me. I hear the call. It's a siren song of beauty. If only I could experience this love. If I could love like this, I mean, Tim Keller calls it self-forgetfulness. But the Bible calls it love. (laughs) Remember Luke 10? Luke 10, when Jesus, he's on the way and this young lawyer comes up to him and says, hey, how do I get to heaven? And Jesus says, well, what do you think? And, and, he, and, he, and he says this, he says, uh, well, I, I think it's this, you shall love the Lord your God, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus looks at him, he says, dude, this paraphrase, awesome answer. That's right. Do that and you'll live. If you would love like that, self-sacrifice without any hint of your own in there, you're just laying down your heart for God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then your neighbor too, you know, love your neighbor. If you would do that, you would live. And he's talking in the context about eternal life, you know. I get it. This is how life should be. I, 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 the, the, the problem is, is the problem. I, I, I don't experience it. I don't know about you, but I, I, I do know about you. You don't experience it either. Right? There's a failure. This self-sacrificial love is clearly commanded in the Bible. It is the essence of the Ten Commandments. It's the very words written by God in stone with his finger to, to Israel and they carried around for hundreds of years in the Ark of the Covenant. And the, 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 That's it. Love. Would you love? Please do it. So I expect it to be seen in, in God's people, the church. This is the message you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. The reference isn't on there, but it's 1 John 3, 11. 1 John 3. This is the message we've heard, right? What? That you should agape. Self-sacrificially love. Get yourself out of the picture and love people. Beloved, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who doesn't love doesn't know God, because God is love, and I want to say I know God. So, so I say, man, love is what I, it's, it's this weight. It's this thing that actually becomes why I'm not doing as well as I should. I need to love more. You do too. I know this concept of love. 
self-sacrificial regard for others without condition. I know it is commanded of me and of you, especially since I consider myself God's kid. I'm in the church. The message from the beginning is to love one another, to love God and love people. And the really important, really important thing is that we don't. I know if you've been around here long enough, you're tired of hearing it. I'm tired of hearing this. I just, I realize I'm not, I mean, so, so it's easy to start just kind of paper over and just act like you are, but, but, but then you can say, well, then more you can say, hey, Dak, speak for yourself, Swanson. Okay. I can sure do that. I don't feel cared for a lot of the time. Do you? For good reason, you know. People care more about themselves than about me. Whiner, shut up, you say. I'm just saying something you can say too. I don't think you would say anything different in your heart of hearts. People have their own stuff they're doing. I mean, you saw the definition, right? We somehow start to separate out the actual biblical definition and make love just sort of a warm feeling. But it's not. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love bears all and hopes all and stays incredibly for me all the time. I don't experience that from you. Sorry. I'm not trying to get more of it. I'm saying I'm like you. This is the reality, right? You know, I'd, and, then, and then I look at me and it says, well, but I'm trying. I try really hard. I don't see it in me either. I, I, I know I should get on the phone and bless someone and I'm so tired I fall asleep on the couch. You know what that's not called? Love. It could be called exhaustion, I suppose. I don't know, I'm, but that's me trying to give a reason, right? The reality is I don't love, even my family, I head up to bless my daughter and I come in, I'm just gonna talk to her and she gives one snarky word because she's had a long day. And I'm like, forget it. I'll go back downstairs. You know, zone of silence commence. What's that not? Love bears all things, hopes all things. That the right there's there's this high high thing personal failure. I you know I had a phone call this week somebody and I it's like I was being such a great pastor and I was listening it was it was an over an hour in an hour in and finally I lose my patience and I go you know what you haven't let me say a single thing please I got some stuff to say why did I do that. All of a sudden, I'm not, what's that called? Impatience. Go back to love. What's the definition again? Love is patient. Love is kind. That's not me. I can make it an hour. Why didn't I make it two? Why, what, why did I stop? It, it, it runs up against something. I've got needs too. I've got desires too. I deserve okay treatment too. And so that's a real example, but it's a small one, right? But it plays out in a thousand ways in all of our lives. This is really huge, huge dilemma. I know about the concept of love, self-sacrifice, patient, kind, humble, giving, wondrous. I know, and I don't do it. I try some 
You could argue with me, I do better at it now than 30 years ago, maybe, but I actually think 30 years ago I was way more idealistic and way more concerned about trying to get you to think I was loving you, so I would, I would do all sorts of stuff. There's a word for that, it's called codependency. When I'm doing something so that you do like me, there's reasons why we love. Right? It's all tainted. It's all partial. Nobody actually is self-sacrificial totally. Everyone's got this thread of themselves tied up. Everybody whines a little. Everybody objects a little. Everybody wants love for themselves as much as they want to be totally patient and totally kind and totally hopeful and live for somebody else. And when they get too far down this road of living for someone else's dreams, well, then that's codependency too. There's something weird about parents who only talk about their kids' accomplishments. What's going on? How, how do I think of this? Why, is, why are you talking about this in Advent? Because we're talking about the coming of love. I want you to consider, it's really important. Okay, I, 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 I've done this probably three times my whole pastoral life. I want to do a show and tell. Check this out. Look at that. Can you see it kind of okay? This will take like two minutes. Don't worry. I'm not going to spill it, I hope. It, 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 it looks like grape juice. Because it is. This is what we take when we take communion. We say, and I look at that. I know it's a substance. It's something. It, it is what it is. So, so I say, well, I, I, I think I need that thing. I'm going to call it love. There's love. Actually, this love, the blood of Christ for me, isn't it? It is what love is. But, but, but I'm going to put it down there and I say, well, I need to do that. So, so I'm going to say, I, I got some ways to do that. I'm going to take my substance. It looks pretty good. It looks pretty pure. Don't look too closely. The microscope, you see something swimming in there, but that's okay. We're pretty good at that. So there's water. And I say, okay, well, I know I need to look at like that. So I've got some stuff here. It's called food coloring. I put some drops in. Ooh, how am I doing? Well, not quite. What I need is a little more love, a little more effort at it. So, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and put some, another drop or two in. Maybe if I add some blue. Oh, look at that. Oh, no, too much, more pink. I'm trying. I really am. So here I am, here I am. I'm trying, I'm going back and forth. Why? Because I'm trying to make this one look like this one. I know, I didn't do a good job. But what if I did do a pretty good job? At the end of the day, and you look, it kind of looks like it, but then I, wait, don't drink that, Dax, you're going to die. It's not the same stuff. Oh my goodness, even if it looked exactly the same. Even if they looked exact, they're not the same. Here's this thing, it's amazing. It's, it's actually juice. There's stuff in it that like makes it juice. Here's this, I tried my best to make it juice, but I couldn't. It's not the same. That's what I'm getting at for you this morning in our failure is we're calling this stuff love and we actually, really, honestly, the depth of self-sacrifice aimed at you. The wonder of God. I'm telling you, love arrived. That's why this is the advent of love. 
Why do I say it like that? What am I saying? It's a different thing, right? This is not your mom's love or your dad's love or your kid's love. This is not lovers on the Hallmark Channel. This is actually the love of God because love is beautiful and you know what it is if you have feelings and desires and longings for it, but you don't self-sacrifice like the Bible says is love, this steady, deep, unbending, totally without any concern for yourself. You don't have it, you see. That's the big problem. And, and, so, and so here we see the, in the arrival of Jesus, here comes love. Right? That's the Bible. First John 4, in this is love, verse, verse 10. Not that we have loved God, because like, <laughs> we haven't, that's not love, and, but that he loved us and sent his son That's the advent, you know, to be the propitiation for our sins. The soaking up of of the wrongness of who we are. What's our sin? That we don't love. We call it love even, but it's not. And this is the love that he has done this. He he has, and, and these commands and these pushes in the Bible are to get you to be humbled to receive this love. Because the Father and the Son and the Spirit who have existed forever and they're loving each other and the Father loving the Son and the Spirit loving the Father, the self-sacrifice perfectly because that's who they are. And when the Father wanted to show his love in the fullness of time, the Son came. Perfect love of the Father. Perfect love for the Father. You have no idea. How can you say, I have no idea? Because Ephesians does. Right? Ephesians says, oh, that you would know the unknowable depth and height and width to know what? The love of Christ. That surpasses, means it's more than all understanding and knowledge. Yeah, but I think I know it because I watched a Hallmark movie. No, you don't. You don't know it like that. This is deeper. This is, this is amazing. Jesus was born of the flesh, and he is love, and he loved. The Bible says he loved people, you know. It says he loved the rich young ruler there in Mark chapter 10. It says he loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus in John 11. It says he loved his own who were in the world and he loved them to the end. When the Bible says that of Jesus, and you're his, and you're in the world, and he loves you, it means something different than even the warm fuzzies I've got for my kids. Even the steady wanting their best that I have for my spouse. Because my love is like colored water compared to the depth of the love of God in Christ. It surpasses knowledge. It's that huge. He loves self-sacrificially and patiently and kindly without envy or boasting, without pride, hoping and bearing and enduring, and he came. And that's what you need to see today, right? That, that, that this is true. First John 4.10 is true. This is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. That's God the Father loving you. Whoa. 
And, and look, it keeps going. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us. That's the real agape stuff, you know. He showed it. By the while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Whoa. It's not about your love. It's about his. You receive this. Such assurance, such peace, such joy, all grounded in this incredible truth. He loves you. He self-sacrifices for you. That means he doesn't demand. He doesn't lose his temper. He doesn't have anything but you in mind. That's what love is. Nothing can stop him. Because that's the Bible. Here in Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword keeps going. It's a rhetorical question. The answer is nothing. Right? Nothing will separate you from the love of Christ. He's the one who freed us by his blood, which is to say his self-sacrifice for us, which is to say his love. We can't really comprehend it, but it's all over. Go to the last book of the Bible and look at this one. It says, hey, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings of the earth, to him, what do we need to know about him? Who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. That's Revelation wanting you to understand the most important thing about Jesus. Got to know this, Revelation 1. He loves us, and it means something. So here's the thing. You no longer live in your own love. You no longer live in evaluating your love or other people's love. You just abide in his. That's the message of the Bible. You've got you to gotta sit here. You've got to sit in this place. Why this Christmas thing is so important, because Jesus came, and he's the lover of you. This is the thing, right? So we have come to know and to believe, John four sixteen, the love that God has for us. Oh, this is what it means to be a Christian. I've come to know and believe it. He really does have this kind of amazing, deep, can't understand it really, even these pale images of marriage or, or, or kids or whatever we want to say, best friends, I don't know. It's deeper than that. It's this amazing love of God for you and me. Whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. He's not saying you abide in your love. A different animal, tainted, twisted, doesn't even taste the same. He's saying you're remaining in this understanding and trust that the Father in Christ loves you. He does. We totally trust in his love of me, his sacrifice for me, because that's what love is, and he loves you and me. We've got to keep ourselves right there, you know. I, let me just pull a couple other. I'm pulling them because a lot of times we, we think the Bible has a his message is kind of disjointed, but even in, this, in Revelation, how about in Jude? I'm sure you're very familiar with Jude. We read it all the time. No, but look, keep yourselves where? In the love of God. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. I'm keeping myself in the love of God. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. Make sure you love a lot. That's your love. 
I want you to keep yourself in the love of God. What's that? Receiving and reminding and staying, knowing that God adores you. And how do I know that? How do I know that? Because Jesus Christ was born in a manger. The king of heaven became a babe. He became a human being, lowly and nothing. And, and, and he lived his life and he died for you and me. And he died on a cross and his blood covers my sin. And so I know with deep certainty, this is my hope. It's a certain expectation because Jesus has come and he's died for me. And God has promised that he's mine. So I remain where? Knowing that. You cannot shake me from that. that that's what we're doing, right? Or even very familiar verses. You may know this one. Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. I don't care about me anymore. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by trust, faith, in the Son of God. Don't miss the end. Who loved me, gave himself for me. My whole life is centered there of knowing it's the love of Christ that has saved me. I remain in his love. That's where I live. New life by trusting Jesus. What am I trusting? He loved me and gave himself for me. Full stop. What I want to do too much, me, I'm talking about me now, is I want to pick me back up, you know. My flesh isn't quite dead. I want to revive it with a little Jesus. Here, here, here. Maybe I can do it this way. Maybe if I take this, this one, and I pour a little bit of this in it. Oh, good. Oh, wait. It still doesn't look the same. I can't revive me. I need this one. I just need, I need the real Jesus and that's what I need. His love for me. Husbands, you've heard this one, right? This one, this one weighs on me. It says husbands, it says in Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Okay, any husband that wants to run right now because it's impossible. What we just talked about, right? What we're talking about, we're talking about why. It says the depth of these commands that push you when you can't. I, now I see how Jesus loves the church. Jesus loved the church by self-sacrificially every moment of every day, not even thinking a moment about himself, but he's, he's, he's laser being focused on, on self-sacrifice for his dear beloved bride. Okay, well, time to maybe get back at it. No, no, Jesus loved the church. This is an unknowable depth. That's what Ephesians, right? We've just talked, that's Ephesians 5. If you just go back two chapters to the end of Ephesians 3, it says, oh, that you would know the depth, the height, the width of the love of Christ for you that surpasses knowledge, and you'll never, ever get to the depth of it, and then we're just gonna toss in, oh, yeah, we'll do that for your wife. No. I'm driven to my knees, I, I am. I, I, I go, wow, this is so in, in, incredible. Jesus loved the church. It's not me getting back at it. The command pushes me back to the humility of I need his love for me because I only have his blood for me, not my pale imitation. So the babe. Eternal God, born humbly because love is about self-sacrifice. Nothing of himself, all for the other. And that was Jesus. He was deserving angels to worship him. And he's getting a stable. He's deserving reverent worship. And, and, and instead he's going to the cross and getting spit on. Beaten. 
and dies for us. He decided to do that for us because he he wanted to have us as his treasure. We're his treasure. You can talk about, man, he's got bad eyesight all you want. Why does he have me as a treasure? I'm nothing. But that's my whole value is that he values me and he values you. And this is the idea, self-sacrifice for the undeserving, not the deserving. And, and, and that's Christ. And that's, that's the advent of love. And I want to do one more little thing before we end, though. Because it's huge. This is the Bible. You talk about love. Now you're talking about the depth of what Christianity actually is, what we focus on. What we need today is to receive this love. You need to receive this love. It means you have to think you need it. Jesus told a brief story in Luke chapter 7 when he was on earth. He was hanging out with the broken kids, the sinners, and the wrong and the wonky and the immoral. He was with them. And, and, and the folks who had it more together and were like rule followers and thinking they were doing it, they, they didn't like that. And one of them was named Simon. So Jesus told this little story to Simon. It's not Simon Peter. And it's there in Luke 7. Let me just read it real briefly and we'll close. Certain moneylender had two debtors. I mean, Jesus came up to this guy and said, Simon, I got something to say to you. He wanted to tell this story, this parable. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. So one of them was 100 grand in debt. The other one was, uh, you know, whatever, uh, 10 grand. When they couldn't pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which, which one of them will love him more? Doesn't take rocket science, right? So if I just forgave you a huge boatload of debt and you were going to actually have to go to prison to try and pay it off for the rest of your life and I, and I forgave you that versus, you know, I took away your spending money and you can't get coffee for the next three months. Which one impacts you more? And, and, and Simon, this guy says, well, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt and Jesus was like, bingo, you've judged rightly. So, and then later in that thing, just a few verses down, he says, therefore, I tell you, her sins, talking about this sinner he was with, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But, but he who has forgiven little loves little. This, to me, is the wonder of the love of God. The love of God has come and forgiven your sin. He hasn't make, made you a perfect lover. That's self-evident. If you have a mirror or a friend who is willing to talk to you. Um, He actually hasn't made you a law keeper because the law is to love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. He, what Jesus has done, is have removed you from judgment. We're not being bookkeeped anymore. We're not being measured that way. He has said, my love is enough for you. And if you see the depth of that gift, because that's Jesus, he's a gift. The depth of that gift, this is the pathway to actual love, right? Just experience the wonder of your sins forgiven forever. Not Jesus' love as an example for us to follow, because we can't. They're two different things. I try and follow it. I'm I'm trying to with the the ink in in my hands, and I'm just getting it on my hands. I'm not making it. But when I actually say, wait a minute, he's not an ideal to live up to. He's... He's not an explanation of of what it means to love in the law. Jesus forgives 
our lack of love. I've received forgiveness for my lack of love. You've received forgiveness for not loving like you should, not being the husband you should be, not being the wife you should be, not being the parent you should be, not being you should be. And it's not at all saying that, oh no, it's okay. You, you don't, you shouldn't be a good parent. No, you should be. You're not. And, and what comes along is Jesus says, I forgive give you. And if you sense the depth of, you know what, that is so amazing, because it is, then all of a sudden you start to go, whoa, I'm free. I actually start to have stuff that happens that I get super excited about helping somebody else just because I feel free. I feel covered. I don't feel guilty. I don't feel like I'm trying to do my duty to make sure that I please God by doing this to you. I feel like I'm so amazed I've been covered and forgiven because that's what we walk in is forgiveness. And you're walking in forgiveness all the time. So this is it. Jesus' love as forgiving our lack of love. Jesus for us, the drink. The drink is for us to partake of his love. His blood covers us. We are cleansed in our conscience because of his forgiveness. Everything becomes about this amazing gift. When Jesus Christ, you can't even hardly imagine, in heaven eternal, comes down to earth. This day, we celebrate it in Christmas. I know it was in April or whatever. But when we celebrate it, we're celebrating this, that God became a man and that love became visible because he did it all. And this Christmas, would you, no matter if you have somebody to love or not, no matter if you feel like you're being loved or not, no matter what your experiences are, that you might know to the depth of your soul the wonder of the forgiveness of Christ for you because he is all you need. Love has come. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for what you've done. Thanks for the wonder of it. Lord, forgive us that we we paper over stuff. I know I do. But Lord, may we be pushed again and our eyes opened again to the freshness of the wonder of your love for us. Lord, forgive me that I think it's easy to understand when it's so deep, I know we can't. Lord, I pray that even in this room, people who are gathered might have a sense by your Holy Spirit of the depth of your love for them. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.